This is the Lotus Bloom Podcast. And here is your host, Morgan Wiley. Welcome to another episode of the Lotus Bloom Podcast. I'm your host, Morgan Wiley, and I'm excited you're here. Today, I have the very special opportunity to share with you an interview I had with a very dear friend of mine. Her name is Gabby Robbins. I'm excited to share her story with you today. She's so passionate about everything that she does, and I love how honest she is sharing the challenges she faced going from one creative endeavor to having to pivot to another. So please be encouraged by Gabby's story. So for our listeners, uh, would you give us a little background in your creative journey? Sure, absolutely. So I um, am Gabby Robbins. I grew up in Los Angeles, California, and I grew up... um, with just my mom and my younger sister. I have an older sister who, uh, when I was younger, traveled the world and did all kinds of stuff. And so I feel like my creative journey kind of kicked off with a, a, like a mom who was super, she really felt like it was important to give us as much of the world and um, expose us to as much creativity and culture. I'm full Mexican. Um, as she could, uh, we grew up mm-hmm. in inner city, Los Angeles, and she worked in the housing authority and she just saw how easy it was for kids to get wrapped up in what was happening in the neighborhoods and put us in private school and took us to the museums and took us to theater. I mean, our, my biggest treat every year for my birthday was she would take us to, um, like the different Broadway shows that were coming through town. And mm-hmm. so she also did a lot to distract us and keep Mm -hmm. us off the streets. And so I did Flocorico, which is Mexican dancing. I did karate. I did cheerleading. I did ballet. I did modern dance. I did tap dance and ballet was the one that kind of stuck. So I was a ballet dancer from the time I was about seven, which I got on point early. And I was doing that till I was about 16. And it was the thing that kind of, drove me to it. I wanted to be a prima ballerina and um, I watched fame and I watched Joffrey (laughs) Ballet and I just thought I'm going to go to the school of the arts in New York and life got hold of me and I was a cheerleader. I did all that. And I realized at one point my dance teacher really pulled me aside and was like, listen, you don't have a body for to be a prima ballerina. You've got great birthing hips, but apparently that is not one of the things that prima ballerinas need to have. And so she was like, this isn't going to be your thing, but do it because you're good at it. And you tell a story with your hands and you're great at this. But she kind of wanted to give me like a realistic expectation, which I, I would have preferred it when I was like 12 or 13, because at 16, yeah. you're kind of like, well, holy crap, every weekend of my entire, you know, existence at that point had been as a ballerina. So, wow. but at the same time, I was really enjoying 
classical music and my mom would take us to the art shows and we had a really great community center that was started by Edward James Olmos, who's an actor, a Mexican-American actor that had every kind of Mexican-American art like that you could be involved in and learn, but also brought in like choreographers from New York and stuff like that. So I was exposed to a lot. And my mom was the kind of mom that was like, well, you're not doing anything this summer. So I put you in a, like a professional theater acting (laughs) thing for the summer. And we were like, mom, we've never acted before. And she'd be (laughs) like, too bad. I already paid for it. So you got to do it, you know? And so it was awesome because I got pushed into doing a lot of stuff. And, and once I was there, I loved it. So I got to experience a lot of that and it kind of fueled the flame uh, of just arts and creativity. And my mom was an avid reader. So she always had a book and she would always talk to me about it. I didn't really start reading until I had to in high school novels. But once I did, like I would go, I would fly through books, you know. Um, But I kind of like graduated high school, went to college for one semester and hated it. And Hmm. my big sister was living in Nashville, Tennessee, and her husband was working in the Christian music industry and was like, come be my nanny. And I just needed to get out of LA. I just realized, you know, not only was God calling me to something different, but I needed a different environment. And Mm -hmm. I knew it was, I was going to just end up kind of like everybody else. And I didn't want that. So I moved to Nashville, which threw me into a creative industry. I had never, I was in choir, but I could not make music or had no clue how music was made. I could read music, but so I got thrown into this environment of tons of musicians and ended up meeting my husband who opened my eyes and my world up to creativity through music and um, realizing I couldn't create music, but I knew what music meant to me growing up. Um, Mm -hmm. Music was a huge part of my life. And because we are both Christians and his job, like he he was a Christian hip hop artist, our goal was to kind of reach kids through music to give them hope. And Mm -hmm. we got married and started on that journey. Now, I might as I was a prima ballerina, like probably from 8 a.m. to about 4 p.m. Saturday and Sunday. But in the evenings, I was a dancer with dance (laughs) crews in L.A. So I kind of lived a double life. I also did beauty pageants in there. And the beauty pageants were because I heard if you won, you got to go to Disney World. So that was really like (laughs) – it wasn't because I wanted to be Miss America Preteen California. It was because I wanted to go to Disney World. And I never (laughs) – I always got first runner-up. I never actually won. But yeah, I always won like talent division because I danced and stuff, but I never actually won. So once I got married, um, we started going to Disney World and that was a huge deal for my kids. I went to Disneyland as a kid Mm -hmm. and that was like (sighs) growing up in L.A. I know people have seen Boys in the Hood and you see, you know, all the movies. It's Mm -hmm. hard. And so there was something about Disneyland that just was like getting to go somewhere that was safe and Mm. pretty and innocent and creative. Loved it. Yes, magical. And so once I got married and my husband was like, heck yeah, let's do this. He loved it too. Um, Disney World became a big part of our lives with our kids and stuff. But it was around the time my son was born that my mom came to stay with me that she was like, hey, um, do you want to watch Harry Potter? And I was like, what? And so she put the movies on and I was 
instantly hooked. Like, <laughs> I got the books. I would read them anywhere I could. I was staying up till 3 a.m. reading these books. Um, and then my niece, who was in high school, was like, you've got to watch this movie Twilight. And I was like, what? I'm not watching a vampire movie and watch the movie. And I was like, wait, there's something about this and like sped through all the books. And all of a sudden, because I couldn't really dance anymore and my opportunity for things like Disney World and the creative outlets that to be honest, my mom kind of instilled in me weren't there anymore. Mm -hmm. Books became that for me. Um, and I will tell you that transition was hard because being a person who's creative physically to kind of switch that over to creativity in, in your imagination, it's hard because mm -hmm. I mm -hmm. missed it, but it still fed that in me. Um, and I got to the point where I was like, okay, okay, this is good. You know, as long as I can read every single day, I'll be fine. You know, and <laughs> I started doing that. Um, I would talk to the ladies in my office. I worked as a social media person um, in a, a, CV, a convention and visitors bureau here in town. And I would talk to these ladies about these books that I was reading. And they were like, you just got to write a book. And I was like, I... I was always a kid that like could write a, like an essay in a day and get like I could tell you the, you know, irony or I could tell you the foreshadowing and I could just do it. But I was like, there's no way I could write a book. And they were like, well, you got to figure it out, like find out how to do it. So I looked up this, you know, I was just like looking up things to do and I was just looking through the newspaper and I was like, oh, this sounds cool. And it was about YA books. And I had no, I didn't know anyone. I wasn't about to tell anyone in my circle, hey, I'm going to Hawaii book conference <laughs> just because I think I might want to write a book. And I went to the conference and I sat down at the table next to this really cool girl and we started talking. <laughs> and now I'm on your podcast. <laughs> she was a pretty cool girl. <laughs> yeah. So I will say Morgan was a huge part of encouraging me to just have the mindset that I could do it. And Aww. being a part of her community was the reason why I met Kelly, was the reason why I met a lot of the people that I met in the writing community. And it was for me at that time, a like it, it was a lifeline because there's a part of me that can't really do every day without having cre like a creative outlet. And it's super important to me. And um, my husband and I have talked about it for years, how there are people who are wired differently, you mm -hmm. know, and that's why we homeschooled our kids, because I have the most intelligent children who are obedient and respectful. But gosh, were they being like squashed mm -hmm. in school? They just weren't they just were unhappy. And we pulled them out and they did homeschool and they did a creative thing along with their homeschool. I mean, my son did coding for a really long time and then now he's animating and doing different things like that. Mm. Um, and my youngest daughter loves like show tunes, theater and all that. So each of them have transitioned into a high school that has a creative track. Some kids are just wired that they do better if they have that thing also. So oh, for sure, yeah. And and that's kind of what my husband and I have kind of recognized is that we are the parents that see that in other kids and have been able to, like right now we do the college group uh, for our church. And it's weird that a majority of those kids are 
creative kids who are growing up and now going, how do I live life without the excuse of high school theater and music, you know, choir Mm -hmm. and things like that. Like they want to grow up and be big people, but they also have this pool of like, I want to have fun and I want this outlet, you know, how do I do both of those things? Mm -hmm. So it's been super cool to see the transition and how my husband has always been a musician and has always had that outlet as his job, but to like him walking with me and seeing me really kind of like struggle with not having um, a creative outlet and finding those things and it changing. Cause after we got married, like I went right back to Nashville ballet and I was dancing and, you know, I used to tour with different groups, but once you become a mom, you know, it's a lot That's, harder. Yeah. And you could hurt something and then you're in <laughs> right. trouble, you know? <laughs> I was like, I would be the person that breaks their leg and has three kids that have to, you know, <laughs> carry their mom around on a pallet because she broke her leg in dance class. Like, oh, no. I don't want to be that. So, um, yeah, like my creative journey is like, I'm still figuring it out. I'm still trying to write a book. You know, I got what, 40,000 words into a novel that fizzled out in my brain like changed Mm -hmm. completely and got turned upside down and I have my 19 year old daughter telling me mom it wouldn't be the book you want it to be today if you would have written it then so let's just write it today you know Mm -hmm. so now I'm being taught by my children (laughs) how to have have patience and you know all that stuff but yeah um I now I book trips to Disney World for people because it's been my family thing. Like, it's a weird thing to know that we get to do that together and they all love it as much Mm -hmm. as I do. It's the smells. It's the music. It's the the treats and the songs and the rides that it now is reminiscent of them growing up and they love it. So, yeah, I get to do a a podcast about – you know, how to get your family there and, you know, not have to sell the car to, to achieve it. So, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, Gab- that's, that's everything. Robin. That sure yeah. is. So let's backtrack a little bit, if that's okay. Sure. Um, first of all, that's so amazing that your mom did all of that for you to be able to instill those things in you. That's, yeah. that's huge. Um, and I know that was a huge part of your life. Yeah. Yeah. My mom's passed away. And Mm -hmm. I will say that, you know, the things she got pregnant with my older sister very young and she traveled the world um, before she had her and danced and experienced things. And when she had my sister, she tried really hard to do that with my sister. And Mm -hmm. when my sister got older and kind of took off and started doing that on her own. And she ended up with my father. Um, I feel like she kind of had a, a restart. You know what I mean? Like she mm-hmm. got in her head like these kids I might not be around for. So let me give them as much as I can kind of a thing. Because her and my dad didn't end up staying together. They were probably the best parents to have um, just because my daddy put me to bed every night once they separated and would go and, you know, go back to his own apartment. And Mm. I mean, talk about just loving and just amazing parents. But my mom just really felt like it was her job to show us that the world was bigger than what we were living in. 
Um, not only that, like our culture was bigger than what we were seeing because being a Mexican American, it, it's one of those things where it's such a rich culture. And so she showed us all the art of Mexico and she showed us how to create it ourselves. And it just was important to her that mm-hmm. we didn't get pigeonholed. And I think because she worked in the housing authority, she saw how bad it could get if you let your surroundings dictate who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and two, she was just a lover of art. Like she loved art and she loved books. I mean, I vividly remember seeing Tap Dance Kid, The King and I, mm-hmm. um, Les Mis. Like we were like center, second row at LA Pantages Theater watching Les Mis and she's just bawling, you know, mm-hmm. like she loved art and creativity. Um, she could only dance like she could salsa, but she just knew that if she could give that to us, you know, we would just be more well-rounded kids. And both my sister and I have done that with our kids like we both took our kids to see Hamilton and her kids love theater and so did my kids and so she's definitely been a huge huge influence on me and my sisters all of us so well that's so cool just to have that legacy and you know I think about my own daughters and what am I instilling in them and how am I exposing them to creativity and and that's just a beautiful story of of how it plays out yeah, absolutely. And it's 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 a way to honor her, you know, like mm-hmm. my kids, um, my my daughter, my youngest daughter, who's a theater kid, when I sat down with her and we watched Newsies, because <laughs> I watched that movie as a kid. Right. She is her version is the theater, you know, the theatrical version. So oh, she was mine like, Mom, too. Yeah. she's like, will you watch Newsies with me? And I was like, yeah, I was like, you know, me and Nana used to do this all the time. Like we obviously we didn't get to watch it on YouTube, but <laughs> it was like, I was like, Nana used to take and she's like, I know, mom, I know. And like she sees my old playbills from when I was little and you like her playbills are like gold to her because she knows like my, I'm going to save my playbills the way that mom saved her playbills and what it means to me. You know, it's mm-hmm. like a big deal. So I feel like really it's one cool. of those legacies that continue like through the generations and um mm-hmm. there'll be times where like what's really funny is that my mom was so excited when that community center by edward james almost came to our neighborhood like it was a big deal it's still there it's so cool it's called plaza de la raza and they have all kinds of art shows that go through there and dance classes and I said to the kids, I was like, when we saw Coco, I was like, you know, the guy that started my art center, that's Chicharron and Coco. Like, oh, and so they were like, oh, and so now like they've got this huge connection of this man who was this voice actor, you know, and on one of their Disney movies yeah. who was an incredible inspiration to me growing up and to so many kids, you know, that otherwise wouldn't have had an opportunity to have because mm-hmm. you paid based on your income. So you got to do all the dance classes, all of the theater classes, everything based on your income. So it was a great opportunity for people in my neighborhood that my mom was like, you're doing this. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> there wasn't a real uh, choice in the matter, but now I'm super grateful. You know what I mean? Some of mm-hmm. my best memories. That's really cool. So do you mind sharing some of the groups that you toured with that you danced for? 
Oh, yeah. I wish it was more. I actually was one of the original dancers for Out of Eden, which is a Christian R&B group. They're no longer touring or anything, but... I loved them. I know. They were like... It was when Christian music, because for a really long time, it was just a lot of like uh, white American people like Michael W. Smith and Amy Grant and, you know, Striper. It was them. That was a big, huge reason why I didn't want to be a Christian when my sister became a Christian, because I was like dude, I don't know how this works with my life. Like, I don't get how, because music was such a big part of my life. And she was like, okay, come see this group. And she took me to see DC Talk, which her husband worked with. And they had dancers and their backup dancers (laughs) ended up being a hip hop group called Grits, who my husband Mm -hmm. was a DJ for. And Grits and Out of Eden were on the same label. And that's how I met my husband. So, so yeah, I toured with them. And then I, because... I lived in Nashville and was a part of like this is a back then especially was a very small community. You'll you can catch me in some music videos because I was literally the only ethnic person in the area. So we would get called in to just do, you know, different stuff. So I can only imagine by Mercy Me, I'm in their music video and I uh, didn't know that. I have to look oh, that up now. <laughs> I had really short hair, so the funny thing is, is sometimes, you know how they'll do those Christian like compilation CDs at mm-hmm. night, they'll sell them. Well, they have Mercy Me singing on stage with this, hu- their huge screens behind them. And they played the video at one point. So we're watching this commercial and my big freaking head about twi- <laughs> 12 feet wide pops up on the screen. And I was like, oh, no, that's really bad. Like... People have been watching that, you know, as they've toured. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to everybody. I went through a short hair stage and it, it was not a good stage for me, but. <laughs> oh, yeah. We got to find that now. Yeah. That's great. I know. I'm opening the door. And then, of course, Grits videos. I've been in some of their videos. So, yeah. But I really only toured without Out of Eden. Um, and then I got married really young. So I kind of stopped doing all that and switched into mom mode for a good, you know, I'm still there, but it was full on mom mode for a yeah. good decade at least. Wow. Yeah, that's fun. Just hearing those names, it's it's a part of my high school past. Yeah. So, it, so it's it's fun. And my husband yeah. loved all those as well. So yeah, it's fun. It's yeah. fun connection. Yeah. Okay. So you touched on the podcast and making the travel arrangement excuse me arrangements for other families going to Disney yeah I know that that's not your main point of creativity but share with us how how doing those things you know even if it is just a means for your family it's you know it's a a side job but it it does affect your daily creativity am I right yeah totally so like day to day I do um, social media and like I, I work as a volunteer coordinator for an organization that kind of is wrapped up in this artist that I do social media for. And that you would think sounds creative, but it is very, very monotonous and very mm. more marketing um, than you would imagine. I do a lot of the graphic design, but it's not creative. You know what I mean? It's not creative. It's a very specific um, uh, what am I trying to say? It's it, you're basically trying to target a specific audience. And so and you do that for writing and you do that for books, but in a very uh, creative way where this is much more deliberate and calculated mm. almost. So okay. it it is definitely not as creative as you might think. So 
I do my husband works from home and does music and is also finishing the last year of homeschool with our last our last little one. Um, so he has limited time and as a, as a, in our marriage, our entire relationship has been tag team. So for many years, my husband toured and d- his job is super creative, but it's super hard when you're gone all the time. Mm-hmm. So when he stopped with the last tour, he kind of was like, I feel like uh, it's time for me to be home and be a dad. And I was like, okay, cool. Uh, we just have to pay the bill. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I'll start. Cause I had, and that was fine for me. Like I wanted to do that. Like I had been home, I'd been mom, I had been, and that never changes. But when you're full-time mom at home, that creative, and I also have a bit of OCD, that side of me was not being fed. And so I jumped right into it and social media kind of landed in my lap. Um, So whenever we could go to Disney World, it was like a huge treat, but it was a stretch. And we had, it was right when the internet was really kicking off. And we took Maya one time when she was three and I was like, there has to be, there has to be someone figuring out this madness. Like Mm -hmm. which park do I need to go to and how can I get the right fast passes? And, you know, how can I do this in a way that's getting us what we really want to see and in the most cost-effective way? And so I just started researching. And funnily enough, it was years ago, I started listening to a podcast about Disney World. And I was so intrigued by these people who went all the time, who had all these tips. And this was mm-hmm. a good restaurant. And if you're going to pay a lot, of, a lot of money for a restaurant, you better know that that restaurant is good, or at least that's right. how I felt. So I started hearing all these people who knew all this stuff. And I didn't do it on purpose, but I heard about this travel agency. And I called because this girl was on this podcast. And she was like, hey, I, you know, I don't really have time to book your trips, but I have a friend who could totally, you know, do it. And I was like, awesome. And so, of course, because of my OCD, I was like, hey, can you book my trip? But I just want it to be da 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 Like, I already had it planned out. I just wanted <laughs> her to give me any inside scoop she had. And if a deal came out, travel agents were really good about jumping on that and getting you the deal without even asking. Like, they would get it for you. So um, she and I became really good friends. And uh, when I actually applied for a job at that travel agency to try to get a side hustle um, to do it. And I didn't have enough cruise experience, so I couldn't do it. So a few years later, um, I messaged my travel agent and I was like, hey, do you know if they still require as much cruising experience? And she was like, "Uh, I don't, but I just left the agency. And if you want to become a travel agent, you were the first person I was going to call to be my Disney rep. And I was like, yes, thank you. Sign me up now. I will do whatever it takes. So this was part of me being like, I am fully capable (laughs) of booking other people's trips (laughs) only because I found so much joy in doing it myself Mm -hmm. for my family and because I knew what it meant to my family. Now, our family is definitely very different than the average family. The average family doesn't go quite as often as we do, but the average family doesn't love it the way my kids do. (laughs) I'm sure it would be different if my husband and my children didn't adore it all Mm -hmm. but we also get to go I get their viewpoints and I get to see 
it so much more often that I'm, I'm a help, like I'm helping other people because I can be like, yeah, I heard you, you know, everybody sees it on the commercials, go do Bibbidi Bobbidi Boutique, but let's also be aware that your children will have shellac tear for a whole day in a hundred degree <laughs> weather in a dress that's polyester. So bring right. some clothes and be ready to wet her hair in the bathroom. Like, you know what I'm saying? And let's, let's get some Disney cards at Kroger so you can rack up the points. Like, you know what I mean? Like I have that whole, like, if you're going to do it, here are all the things that make it truly magical and not one of those things where you do it and then go, oh, we should have thought about this. Like (laughs) I'm a very practical person. So this part of me is I love the magic of Disney, but my OCD part goes, I'm not going to waste this money. Like it's going to be magical and it's going to feel worth it. So Mm -hmm. the travel planning has just become something that, you know, I would hope could be my long-term job in the future that once, you know, we have all our kids in school and my husband goes a little more full time and I can make enough money planning trips that I can get to some of the other creative things I've put on the back burner for, you know, providing for my family, which Mm -hmm. seasons, you know what I mean? There are seasons of that stuff. So yeah, yeah, the, the travel agency kind of checks all the boxes of creativity. I love to see families on vacation that I've helped book post their stuff and see just their photos of them doing the things my kids did and being so excited about it, you know, and their parents going, I'm so glad we didn't do this, that, and the other thing (laughs) because Gabby told us not to. Like, (laughs) it makes me happy. So yeah, I feel like it's a kind of a weird, uh, it's a weird, a little bit of the creativity of a lot, you know, sharing that joy with somebody else like you do when you get to share a song or a book, you're sharing Disney, but it's also a part of like my giftings being a very organizational and helper. Like I'm a helper. And I know mm-hmm. a lot of people talk about Enneagram and all that, which I do not fully understand. Don't ask me, but I know that whatever <laughs> number I am is apparently like a helper person. And my spiritual gifts is the same way. It's servant, which I don't really like that word, but yeah. I, yeah, that's I could kind see of that. where my gifts my gifts line up. So it, it it feeds a lot of different uh, different things in me that make me super happy. So yeah, that's I mean, huge I'm, though. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the whole point, right? Like, right. we're all on a journey to find those things that scratch the itches that you have at that season. Mm-hmm. And right now, that's doing it for me. But yeah, I love it. That's so great. So for anyone looking to go to Disney, yeah, you're going to want Gabby to hook you up. Where could they find you for that? Well, um, my agency is called Pop Vacations or Pop Culture Vacations. Um, but you can find me, Gabby Robbins, on Instagram, Facebook, and all of that. Or Pop Vacations. Just ask for Gabby Robbins. So, yeah. I love booking trips. And I feel like a lot of, a lot of the um, – booking a trip to Disney is super intimidating because you see like this huge price, right? But Mm -hmm. the best part of booking, even when you book directly through Disney, which don't get me wrong, if you're more comfortable doing that, do what makes you happy. But with an agent and with Disney, you put a, a, you put a small deposit down and then you get to pay towards it, which is freaking amazing. It's not like a plane ticket. You know what I mean? Like you don't have to pay all of it up front. Um, And then anytime a deal comes through, if I see, that your hotel or your stay, you know, your dates of stay fit with that deal, I can just 
apply it. So that's the good part of a travel agent. We've got all the tips and tricks, but we also get the heads up on the deals right when they come mm-hmm. out and we can apply that to you, your reservation. So yeah, I that's mean, really cool. uh, trust me as a, a Disney fan, I still used a, a travel agent because it was just, they knew when things were happening before I did, or I just, you know, I'm not wait, you know, waiting up for <laughs> emails to come through, you know, when right. I'm working a full-time job, but I do do that now because I have problems, but whatever. Just- <laughs> well, and I love the idea of paying towards your trip. So then by the time your trip comes, you have already paid for most of it. Exactly. And that's I always like to give people an idea of what food's going to cost and what to expect for souvenirs so that you get there, you have it all ready to go. I think the biggest part is I think sticker shock is huge at Disney. Everything costs more than you think it's going to cost. Mm-hmm. And I'm really honest about that stuff because it does change the the feel of your trip when you mm-hmm. get there and it's not what you expected, you know? Oh, yeah. And for I, sure. I think it's kind of good like to be able to be like, hey, guess what? Start buying your kids Disney gift cards now because you're going to give them that gift card and be like, that's all you get. Spend it how you like, children, because everything's expensive. So pick one thing. Right. One thing. This isn't an ad. Okay. Well, it is an ad. Pop Culture Vacations. They are not a sponsor of this. I'm not getting anything out of this. But Gabby is a dear friend of mine, and I love what she's doing, booking vacations with Disney. I think it's so fun. And if it's something you're interested in, then check it out. Pop quiz. Wondering if you need a travel agent? What could an agent do for you that you couldn't figure out for yourself? With years of experience and real-time park updates, the agents at Pop Culture can take the hard work out of planning your next vacation. The agents at POP have insight on park crowds, upcoming deals, and the experience to make your vacation as enjoyable as possible, all free of charge. For a free quote, email Gabby at popvacations.com. That's G-A-B-Y at popvacations.com. So, okay, you touched on writing, and I know that... Part of that may not be fully in this season you're in right now, but are you still writing and how is that going? Yeah. So I, when I met Morgan, I had an idea for a book and that base idea, um, I tried with what I thought I had at that point. I will Mm -hmm. say (laughs) when Morgan and I met, Twilight was really popular (laughs) and so was like vampire books and... It was a weird time, don't you think? Like yeah, the YA yeah, it genre was. was a weird time. But well, and it was huge. What, it had blown up. It, oh, it was ginormous. And it's a different monster than it is now. Like the yeah. YA genre can be a blockbuster movie, which could not have happened in the past. Right. Um, but I will say that it was very kitschy at that point. And I was mm-hmm. reading a lot of self-published books and I was reading a lot of like really gritty, like (laughs) it was some intense stuff, you know? And so I feel like the stuff that I was into at that point when I was writing the first draft of that book, which I've always called Enigma, which has always just been in my brain that way, was was a little bit on the, the kitschy side. And it had a little bit of these tropes that I was loving. Like I was loving at that point. Yeah. And I didn't understand world building I didn't understand like 
I could tell you exactly what I wanted the stories to be about, but I didn't understand how to do that. And I feel like I let that bog me down to the point of uh, I got stuck. Mm -hmm. And I really, what was weird was that I got stuck and then I started watching movies and reading books that had those tropes and had a lot of the same things in my book and I realized that it wasn't what I wanted it to be I started thinking to myself was I just doing this to get it out to be like I wrote a book you know what I mean like Mm -hmm. I did this thing and I realized that there hasn't really been much in my life that I haven't put a thousand percent in and like like my house and my children and maybe not my body because I'm not good at putting a thousand percent at working out or anything like that but like there isn't much in my life that I don't freaking OCD a thousand percent and I feel like there was a little bit about this plot that I wasn't a thousand percenting I just wanted it to sound like a book that I had read Mm. do you know what I mean yeah like I wanted it to sound like a book and so there was a little part of me that died when I realized that ooh, like that would have been bad. (laughs) That would not have been good. I went and saw Wonder Woman and I felt like such an idiot because so much of the world that I built was just like the world of the Amazons in Wonder Woman. I didn't realize that though because I had never read Wonder Woman's backstory. And I was was sucker punched and I wanted to vomit and I was so sad and I was just like, this is awful. And so- What I did was I kind of just put it away and then I grabbed a new notebook and I started writing down all the things that I knew that I wanted in my book Mm, and and what what I wanted in my story. Mm -hmm. And so I have that notebook and I come back to it. It sits right beside my bed and I come back to it and there it, it literally is an everyday thing. It has never stopped from the moment that I put that first draft away of me saying, so if she grew up in this town and did this thing, how would this play out? Um, I've literally gone over and over and over her story and what how she should become who she is uh, probably millions of times at this mm. point. And I want to say that just this month, I've landed on something that I feel rings true. Yay. But that, but that's just where she is today. Do you know what I mean? Like the very <laughs> beginning of that and how that all plays out from that point is still, I'm going to start plotting and doing, but I, I want to say that it's not a dead thing in my world. I feel mm-hmm. like it's something that I want to give time to. But like I said, I work a full-time job. Mm-hmm. We homeschool one of our kids I do a side hustle with this, you know, travel agency, which I do all their social media for. Mm -hmm. I really am pooped at the end of the day. (laughs) And so there's also something about creativity being squashed by just life, you know, like Mm -hmm. there is only so many hours in the day. And I also realize that. So um, it's a season, you know, Mm -hmm. and I think it's a good season. I'm marinating on it. I'm Mm -hmm. doing it when, when it comes to me. And it's still a goal in my life to write Enigma. It's still a goal in my life. And what's funny is that Haley Williams from Paramore has always been somebody who's triggered Enigma in my brain to come out. Like every time. Like, And it's when I worked in Franklin, she lives in Franklin, and I would see her and it would be like, she is my, she is her, the girl, my main character. Like she's her. 
And so she just put out a new album or a new EP. And I'm like, which, of course, music, like, uh, let's, like let's not talk about how music just absolutely breaks me every time I, see, I hear a song I want to write a new story about. But her <laughs> new album is like, it's killing me because it's literally the mature version of my character. Hmm. Like she, she's been divorced. She's, you know, she's not with Paramore. She's not doing music with Paramore right now. Like it's this weird. Hmm. So I feel like it's a season. Right. And let's just pray that I fulfill, like I complete this and get this done at some point because I have no aspirations to be, you know, JK Rowling, but I would like to be, look at my kids and be like, I wrote a book here it is, you know, and it's done. And that would be good enough for me. Um, But it's still there. It's, it's still there simmering under the surface. You know, every time you question it and write it down and see her, I mean, it's still there. It's alive. It's, it's just growing. And you know, what's really funny is that there are times where I'll think of scenes and I'll be like, is this good enough as the first scene I read in your books when they were in the I'm not going to give anything away but like they were in a oh. circle and I was like holy crap Morgan wrote a real book like oh. she's for real and I was like reading it and every time I think about it I was like is my intro as good as that intro oh I always think about it that way so yeah I'm not trying to you know puff you up or anything but that does go through my mind every single time wow well I'm flattered thank you <laughs> yeah well but you I know. think it's I think it's an important point to mention, you know, with any creative endeavor that sometimes there are times and it's it's good to question it. Yeah. And because you don't want to rush through it. You don't want to just throw something out there because then it's out there and yeah. you can't really take that back very well. So, yeah. you know, you yeah. want it to be what it's meant to be. And if it exactly. needs more time to grow and to change and to become the creation that it's supposed to be. And honestly, maybe even you as the writer becoming more of the person that you need to be right. when that time comes, yeah. then it's all going to come together in this perfect storm of, hey, here I am. Yeah. Let's do and this. I, I feel like like tonight I, I was a little late for recording because we were watching The Last Jedi again. My family watched it again. I watched it for the first time. But I remember vividly sitting in the theater and there's a scene where all of these ships come out. And I won't, if anybody hasn't seen it, I won't give it out. But there's all these ships there. And it's a very like triumphant, hugely meaningful thing. Mm-hmm. And I sat there and I was just shaking my head. And Rick was like, what? And I'm bawling. And I'm just bawling and he's like, babe. And I'm like, it just, it's so good. Like, and it wasn't any kind of like amazing, like, you know, obviously it's all make-believe because it's flying ships in space. But I was so moved by the moment. And my first thought was, I want to make these moments. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't come by just sitting down and writing at one time. You know what I mean? And I get that. But I also feel like, the culmination of how many movies and books and stories have led to that moment because it means so much. You know what I mean? You have to write a layered thing. You have to write a thing that matters. You have to write something Mm -hmm. that has like skin and pain and love and tears for it to matter that much. And I just feel like after all these years and all these characters kind of growing up in my head and honestly me growing up, like who would have thought, like, I mean, I was 
my 30s back then and now I'm in my 40s. But I feel like I am a different person than I was when I was in my 30s. -hmm. And I see things differently. And I think our world has changed so much. It's like, I feel like now I have a story to tell that is even more entertaining than the tropes that I was digging back then. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? That yeah, means that's something. Huge. Yeah, it does. You know, and I feel like there's nothing bad about those because, heck, I'm down for a werewolf book. Give it to me, man. <laughs> and I am still down to write one that's about Pride and Prejudice with werewolves. I'm all about that. But there's a part of you that also wants to watch those Star Wars movies or Harry Potter movies that just feel... And I have no intention of saying I'm going to do something like that. But that reading a book that just means something to you, you mm-hmm. know, like mm-hmm. because you care about the characters and you care why they're sad and you care why this is happening, you know, like right. I feel like sometimes that takes time to grow. And, mm-hmm. you know, and I feel like I'm OK with that. Now, if we're doing this again in 10 years and I haven't written the book yet, you're welcome <laughs> to just be like Gabby. <laughs> Don't come out of your house till you finish because it's unacceptable. <laughs> oh, I will. <laughs> but at the same time, I, I'm willing to admit that this might have been a good thing. The other thing, which I think you'll find completely hysterical, is I had – we went to BEA, me and Kelly, which is a friend of ours, and I had all these books that I haven't read yet. And I'm like, I used to go through like a book a week. Do you remember this? Mm-hmm. Like I would oh, just yeah. – Read through books, through books. Well, my brain is, I'm blind, by the way, after all of screen time. I have so many <laughs> layers of glasses now, progressive, the whole bit. But I have not picked up a book book and sat down and just mm. read it for years. Mm. And so I was like, I had this book and it was so interesting. And I sat down, I opened it. The first scene, not joking, almost verbatim, what my first draft of the oh, Enigma no. book would have been. That first scene. I was like, oh, my gosh, who's who's in my room right now? Like, I was so blown away. Oh, wow. I got up and I went to my husband, my husband, who's one of the very few people who's actually read that. And I was like, what does this sound like? And he was like, whoa. And I was like, yep. Hmm. Yep. Now, that book came out, you know, four or five years ago. That's wild. But. It was wild, right? So I was like, yeah, I think I need to rethink the whole like, (laughs) like I just need to get down and get dirty and write my own thing. You know what I mean? And it wasn't my time. Like it wasn't time to do that. So I will say writing is still a big deal. Now my daughter's doing it and it's super exciting to be able to look at her and be like, don't be like me. (laughs) sit down and get your book done you know and buying her notebooks and buying she's reading the Stephen King book on writing right now and Mm -hmm. you know and she's doing it complete she is getting our art degree but she is an affinity for Stephen King which I'm brave girl I'm all about it you do that yeah um but it's it's great you know because I can give her as much insight as I might have. And then I'm like, you're going to have to talk to Kelly and Mor- um, Morgan about the rest of the stuff because I really don't know. But oh. yes, <laughs> it's really nice to be able to share that with her. No, that's super cool. And actually that is a great segue into what I was going to ask you next, which involves the kids. Um, and my, my question is, how do you help assist or guide them in their creativity? Because you have three kids and they're into all different things. I guess, how does that happen? How do you guide them? Yeah. Well, you know, what's really funny is that when Rick and I got married, um, and before that we did, I don't know if you did this, but like our marriage counselors were like, you need to sit down and write a vision for your family. And we were like, okay, what does that mean? And (laughs) I think we realized like we wanted to do all the things 
that we felt like were great about when we were growing up and mm-hmm. the things that maybe weren't were missing. We wanted to try to put those things into the focus of our family. And a big part of that was purpose. What's purpose? Like, why are we here? Um, I mean, big picture, if you believe in God, what has God created you to do? Um, and two, like, if you're here and your job is to be a musician, what does that mean? You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, what does that mean for the world? And so there was a huge part of us that knew that our creativity were the things that kept us from the really bad stuff that could have happened in our mm-hmm. lives, you know, that could have mm-hmm. took, taken us down really bad paths. And so when we were raising the kids, we'd be like, what do you like? Like, what do you want to do? And oh, homeschool was such a big part of that. Like a huge part mm-hmm. of that was, you know, what do you want to do? You want to try this? Like, yeah, let's do dance class. Like, yeah, let's do soccer. You know, let's do all the things of the only prerequisite to the things that we let our kids try was they had to finish. If they signed up for a semester or they signed up for four months, they had to do the whole thing. Mm. Um, and so my kids did a lot of different things, but we just would also be like, you're really good at X, Y, Z. Let's try more of that. Like really trying to, number one, seeing their learning style, which is a homeschool thing, but two, letting them explore all the things Mm -hmm. uh, that they even had the smallest bit of interest in. My son Quinn, from the moment he could talk, all he wanted to do was play video games. (laughs) Literally, that's all he wanted to do. And so there's a part of me that was like, oh my gosh, he's going to live in my basement and do nothing but video (laughs) games. And I was like, okay, cool. Well, we're going to teach you how to make video games. How about that? So we put him straight into coding because Mm -hmm. He was a whiz on the computer, but while he was coding, they gave him an assignment to do like an app and he hated all of the illustrations. And so he said, mommy, these just don't look good. And I was like, well, I was like, you know how to make those go in and make something that you like. And so, you know, being the OCD parent, I was like, here's a program, you know, like here, open this up <laughs> do this thing and taught him how to do it. And he cr- started creating his own animations and his own illustrations mm-hmm. and stuff. And he, he came to us and, and it, because this is a conversation in our household, you're homeschooling to have time to find out what you really want to do mm-hmm. because school is just the building blocks of your future. Now it could change. There's sure. no, we're not saying you're, you're locked into this thing, but what are you supposed to be doing right now? School is your job. Mm-hmm. And then in the future, what do you want to do? Cause daddy toured, you know, music was huge in our house. We listened to every kind of music in our household. My husband is a DJ, so we could, you know, scratch out the cuss words, but we listened to every kind of music in our household. <laughs> My kids listened to everything from Ariana Grande to Michael Buble to Japanese music to my, my son listens to Claire de Lune to go to sleep every night and Aww. it has nothing to do with Twilight. Thank the Lord. It just, he likes that song, <laughs> but like he, like our kids listen to everything. Um, and it was important to us because music is such an inspiration to us. My husband, uh-huh. obviously, for his job, but for me, for books and ideas yeah. and, you know, inspiration for getting up in the morning and working out and all of that stuff. Um, but we would say, what, you know, what do you like? What do you want to do? And he was like, mommy, I don't. I don't mind coding. I can do coding, but I love making pictures. I love <laughs> doing that thing. And I was like, cool. We're canceling the coding school. We're doing the illustration. And we got him a tablet and 
he now is about to he'll be a senior next year and he did an uh, art track when she could have done the coding track but he knew he wanted to do art and he's an amazing little illustrator and the poor kid can't focus like we go to church every sunday and he takes his pad and he sits and he draws while he's listening and i've said to him so what do you think was the most important thing and he was like oh i loved it when the pastor said da 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 and his brain like works so good mm-hmm. if he sits and draws while the pastor's talking and you just got to figure out those things and ask right. those questions you know like what is it like shane loves theater and loves music and she was listening to the hamilton soundtrack before people even knew hamilton was a thing because she'd be like mommy can i hear you know i always we had a youtube rule i had to listen to everything they listened to i like Lynn manuel miranda i knew him from like you know when he was on pbs and stuff and I was like, yeah, you know, and I was like, Hamilton, it's history, you know, and obviously hip hop isn't a big deal for us. Um, And she just started really exploring the world of musical theater. And every person in my household is in love with that show because she played that music all (laughs) the time when she would do the dishes, when she would be cleaning her room. And it's one of those things where we all truly influence each other. Um, In I was whatever there once the when she was playing it. <laughs> yeah, it's her thing, you know, and we do our I best to be a part of that with them or, you know, Shane wanted to be, she wanted to enter a contest to see Hamilton. And so I did a rap with her, you know what I mean? Like on yeah. Instagram and posted it. I mean, I've done things with Maya that way. Maya loves to cook. She thought she would do that. Um, mm-hmm. And it was a skill that all of my kids got to do because they were homeschooled. But she can literally bake or cook anything um, with a recipe. But then if once she's learned it, she can do any kind of, you know, riff on stuff. Oh, but that, was, that wasn't her thing. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? She loves fashion. She only buys stuff from thrift stores, which boggles my mind. But... <laughs> She thought she might want to go to SCAD and we went and saw it and talk about a den of creativity. The Savannah College of Art and Design for Fashion in Atlanta is I would live there if I could. It's beautiful (laughs) and perfectly designed and there's all these creative people. But we she got accepted and it was thirty six thousand a year on top of all of her scholarships. And she just said, Mama, I don't know that that's what I want to do. And I was like, Mm. cool. So here in Tennessee, we have a two-year free community college, and she's she's going to finish her art degree. And now when she thinks about it, she's like, I'm not sure that's what I want to do. So she's going to do the college program, the Disney college program. If she gets accepted, Ooh. she's been applied to it and see – because she loves that so much, see if maybe that's the route she wants to go to. But I just feel like for our family, our goal is to enable our kids – to explore and to figure out number one, who they are in Christ and then who he's made them to be. And that doesn't mean they're going to be rich and that doesn't mean it's going to be easy, but it does mean they're going to be satisfied knowing they've followed the path they were supposed to take. And Mm -hmm. that could be anything. They're definitely all creative beings, you know, it kind of feeds their soul. So yeah. Yeah. We definitely have, we've been blessed. We have three really great kids. Yeah, that's amazing. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. So speaking of what feeds your soul, what is it that drives you to find creative outlets? What is that thing in you that just has to create? There's a part of me that knows what it feels like 
to be in that zone. Mm-hmm. And I, I also want to like recognize there's something about being creative, whether you're making music, singing music, dancing or performing that high mm-hmm. is something that I see why people go broke trying to do it. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. because there's nothing like number one, entertaining other people, but how it makes you feel. Mm-hmm. You feel very complete when you're performing and when you're doing stuff. And when I see other people doing that, there's a hunger in me mm-hmm. to find that. And I can find that reading a book by being triumphant with a with a character or by seeing how an author got something done, like got something accomplished in the plot. Mm-hmm. I can feel that. So there's bits of there's there's ways for me to feel that feeling where I'm in my I'm in the pocket of what God's created me to do mm-hmm. and the the satisfaction I get from doing it. So I feel like because it's something that I've felt before that if I haven't had that for a little while, like because the monotony of every day has kind of gotten in the way, mm-hmm. I seek it out. So I can get that satisfaction from a really good British crime drama on Amazon. <laughs> you know what I mean? I can get that satisfaction from watching an amazing, you know, interpretation of Jane Austen. But there are times where it takes a little more and I want to do it myself. And mm-hmm. so I'll sit and I'll write and I'll sit and, you know, do things with my kids to help them. That does give me that satisfaction too. Mm. Um, but there's just a part of me that knows that it's not an everyday thing for me. I'm not a performer. I know that's not what I'm called to anymore. That was a hard pill to swallow for a really long mm. time. But I know that where I'm at is where I'm supposed to be at. Like being a mom mm-hmm. is super satisfying and knowing that my kids – are going to be able to have that balance. Like I didn't know what that was. You know what I mean? And like, mm-hmm. oh, my poor mother, she didn't know what that was. Like she could have probably wrote an amazing freaking Danielle Steele novel. She had read everyone, <laughs> every book ever written and ha- probably had it in her to do that. You know what I mean? But who she didn't know that that was in her grasp or mm-hmm. capability. And it's a fine balance of recognizing it's not my time. You know what I'm saying? And when I need it, finding it. Mm-hmm. It's a part of me. You know what I mean? It's yeah. it's a part of me. And to like going to places like Disney or knowing that I'm helping other people do that. Like it's a happy place. You know what I mean? It's oh, yeah. got all of those things. That's really cool. Before we wrap up, is there anything else you would like to add or cover that maybe we didn't get to touch on? You know, when you hear other people's stories, it's just super helpful to know that number one, you're not alone and mm-hmm. The voices in your head could be a book and that's totally fine. Mm-hmm. And, you know, seeing your kids and and uh, hearing a song that just makes you go to another place is mm-hmm. a totally natural thing and super important. You know, I feel like life makes you think, oh, whatever, you know, I'm losing my mind a little bit, but it makes you have a, a more well-rounded life. You know what I mean? Like I got to get up this morning, go to church with my family, and then go see Star Wars and talk about <laughs> yeah. creativity, like, well-rounded day. Like, this is awesome. Like, I <laughs> love it. I love it, you know? Like, I feel like it's a huge part of who people are. And sometimes that's the thing that gets you down when you don't feed that in yourself. Right. It makes you feel a little hopeless. And I felt that, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, but yeah. 
thank God that um, I have people like my husband and my friends to be able to be like, okay, let's figure it out. What, what do you, what are you, what are you missing in your life right now? You know? So it's important to, to know that it's important. Yeah. And number two, to surround yourself with people that can help you find that thing. Because mm-hmm. it might not be what you think, you know? Yeah, for sure. Really good. If they want to hear about your your Disney adventures, yeah. the podcast is Off the Cuff, correct? It's called uh, Form Family Off the Cuff. So oh, my family is Form Family Universe. So that's our little Instagram when we go to Disney. And then Off the Cuff is my best friend's ministry. Um, her husband is a Disney cast member. And so we did a podcast called Form Family Off the Cuff. Oh, gotcha. And so what it is is her family, they live and work and like are at Disney. Um, and their whole goal is to – there's so many Disney cast members that come from other countries mm-hmm. that have never been in the United States and don't know anybody. And so they invite them over and they have game nights and they – they don't know they don't celebrate Christmas like we do and so they have a Christmas meal with them or a Thanksgiving meal with them and so um we go down there and help that with that stuff and it's just awesome because we love Disney so much we appreciate the people who make it magical for us so that's really cool yeah that is cool and we're planning on getting that podcast up and running soon um my best friend's dad's a little bit ill and so things have been on hold but we will get back up uh and running very soon so yeah okay and so they can find you on instagram yeah gabby robbins yeah okay all we gabby robbins find us there and then all my other stuff is all connected to that i'll link you in the show notes so make make it easy for everybody to find you that's because great. you guys, her Disney pictures are so fun and yes. inspiring and it will make you want to be there and call yeah. her for travel agent help. Yeah, absolutely. Or just <laughs> call me if you need tips and tricks because I know, dude, it's it's rough. There's a lot to know. I think that's the big thing. Like you go to Disneyland a lot. Mm-hmm. I used to do that and it was like, oh, we're going to Disneyland today. <laughs> you cannot do that with Disney World. Like, no. Yeah, people are booking those trips a year out. So it's one of those things where you don't know until you know, and it's like a lot more than you expect. So even if you just need help, travel agents don't get paid by their clients. They get paid by Disney. So call me because I'm here for you. And I love doing it. That's the best part. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, Gabby, thank you so much for spending time with us.